0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org.
1: So, I still don't know what compassion is. And, um, but maybe we're getting there. So, um, But I want to, I'd like to tell you a story that um, I think is related to this topic and also kind of connected in some ways in to that uh, last story I, said, I told. And th- this is a Greek myth. And it's the myth myth of a centaur named um, uh, Chiron. I think that's pronounced the name. And the way that I learned the story is something like this. So uh, there was a god, one of the great gods, maybe they named Cronus, who um, turned himself temporarily into a horse so he can chase down a woman and rape her and impregnate her. And nine months later, she gave birth to a baby that was half human and half horse. And she immediately rejected this baby. So here's this person named, uh, this, this center, this half horse, half man, his name was Chiron, and he was born out of this suffering and rejected by his mother, which is, you know, and I suppose by his father, he's not in the picture. So he grew up and uh, he felt great shame for who he was, great shame for being half, horse the lower part of his body was horse and um, but luckily for him uh, Apollo took him in and Apollo was you know supposed to be this beautiful handsome kind of noble aristocrat of a god and Apollo trained him in medicine in herbs in astrology in archery and he became quite good at these, very good, so good that, um, that the kings of the land uh, would get Sharon to come and and teach their kids their children he was he was much much demand and uh, he lived then so Sharon lived this wonderful kind of privileged life where he could offer what he had learned from Apollo and then one day. Chiron was accidentally, apparently, um, struck by an arrow. And he was struck by an arrow in his knee, which is a part of his body that was a horse. And because he was hit in his knee, it was very painful. And the knee was damaged and apparently he couldn't walk very much anymore. So he had a daughter by that time, the daughter had to take care of him and he became dependent on her. But he had a lot of pain. And uh, I was, apparently there was poison in the arrowhead. And, but he couldn't die because as a half-god he was immortal. So he had this tremendous suffering. And on top of that, his suffering, what had debilitated him was the horse part of him, the part they tried to deny. So here he was faced with that part. And it's a lot of suffering. And in his pain and his suffering, uh, he stopped taking care of kings and their children. But he began to empathize with the poor and the sick and the suffering masses. And he started using his medical skill to help them. It turned out he was very effective, helping a lot of people. And uh, then he um, Um, But still, he suffered a lot. And then, I don't know how the story goes exactly, but then, um, you know, his great privilege, I guess, or something, of being an immortal, is to live forever. But he could give up his pain if he agreed to die, allowed himself to die. So, he gave up his mortality, his immortality, and he died. <clears throat> and I guess back then you die, you go to Hades. So that's where he went for a while. But then Zeus uh, somehow, I don't know, felt sorry for him or felt inspired by him or something. So Zeus resurrected, <coughs> resu- re- re- resurrected him and put him up in the skies. So there's a chair on I guess is in a constellation or something in the, sc- in the heaven. So that's the story. So why do you think I tell this story in a day of compassion? <laughs> what do you think this story is about that why I would say this at this juncture? Yes, so we're here, over here.
2: Silver Lining of Suffering.
1: Silver Lining, huh? Uh,
2: he used his own suffering to, for the benefit of others. Instead of sharing that pain with others, he shared his wealth of his suffering, so yeah. to speak. And it's, if I may, there's an interesting book, First Rate Madness, and it explains how Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, and... Uh, I think it was about they suffered from depression, and they used that depression to have great compassion mm-hmm. upon others. Great. Okay. So they use their own paraduka mm-hmm. duki to use to their only suffering was for the so help the others. Uh-huh. Okay. Good.
1: Is another mic? Where's the other mic?
0: Just one question it leaves me with is um, he was, he at the end he felt he had to die or stay in suffering. And then he was missing the option. He was helping everyone else alleviate their suffering and he never used that same capacity towards himself. Hmm. So
1: I think I have to trust that he couldn't. There was no way. There was no cure for him. He should have. He should have died from the from the arrow shot.
0: Oh, he should have died. Yeah. But all throughout that process, he never faced his own suffering. There was something, you know. There's something left that he attended to others' suffering, but never never to his own. But never his... Um, met his, you know, with that same tenderness that he may have.
1: Maybe, may, maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know. Huh? The question. So back in the back of the room.
0: The way you uh, told the story also, um, it was pointing to when you mentioned that
1: he was suffering from the part that he hadn't made peace with which was his horse part, was giving him pain and suffering. So, I think there is a point in that about not making peace with parts of
0: us, that cause of suffering, instead of accepting it and Mm -hmm. easing into it.
1: Uh And and there is a little bit more than not not being at peace with it, but feeling shame for it. Being embarrassed, shameful, hiding from it.
0: Lines, as many of us do, we'd rather go through hell and live in hell rather than face those things.
1: To rather go through hell than face what things?
0: The things in ourselves we're denying that we're ashamed of. Mm-hmm. on some level he must have had some bit of compassion for himself because I don't think he, you have to have some sense of that to go on and do good <clears throat> which he seemed to have done in the story of you know sharing his talents and and then learning new talents when he couldn't do the old ones and you know he didn't like tear around and do bad things He, so it was to some extent I think you have to have some maybe compassion isn't quite the right um, trait, but somehow in spite of his shame and he was able to not act out of that, which to me seems a little bit of compassion. Uh-huh.
1: Great. Here, there, there.
2: the arrow was causing him pain and the poison was causing him suffering and it wouldn't stop. He was showing compassion to himself in the end for allowing himself to die.
1: It could be. It could be the one thing, the one gift that the most precious thing maybe he had, he had to let go of in order to um, in order to let go of that suffering, have that suffering come to an end. That's what, was the, maybe that was the medicine. And the result, I mean, so one one way of interpreting this story is the result was, um, he became the stars. It's kind of, you know, he joined something bigger than himself. Okay, so it's uh, similar to the first story, in the the, the idea that um, uh, compassion caring, empathy for others uh, has a lot to do with being able to be present for your own suffering and being wise about that. So in the story of Chiron, you know, he had eventually had to face his horse nature because of the the injury. And by facing it or admitting to it, then it was only then he was able to open to different kind of suffering in the world around him and care for people and take care of them. Uh, maybe there wasn't much compassion in becoming the tutor for the kings and queens and their children. That just was a, you know, a, another life of denial and kind of privilege. So, there's this wonderful, you know, Sri talked about the silver, silver lining of, of suffering. How we relate to suffering is a really important part of, of compassion. And to, to expect you can become compassionate or to look for compassion or be compassionate as an ideal, glorious, beautiful, noble ideal where you can just shine and be kind of like the God who floats around and anoints people with your compassion and the world, everybody's fine and happy ever after is ridiculous. <laughs> the, um, uh, I, um, I think that uh, for me, the, the, the healthy route to compassion is, again, to be able to, adm- to be honest and present for our life as it is. And to learn how to do that in a wise way, to learn to do it in a way that's relaxed and open, uh, where we don't recoil, we don't tighten up, we don't judge, um, uh, where we don't, we don't become burdened by our suffering or burdened by the suffering of others, where we look upon suffering not as a hindrance or as a problem, but we look at upon suffering as an opportunity. We look upon it, this is where we find the path. This is where life opens up for us. Uh, It's not where life closes. It can close, close for us. But it also can be an opening for us. And the whole Buddhist enterprise uh, involves uh, taking the door that opens with suffering as opposed to closing the door. And one of the doors that opens is the door of compassion. And it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Compassion, hopefully, is something that brings you a tremendous amount of, a tremendous sense of well-being. There's a teaching in Buddhism that, um, about compassion being at the beginning of a person's practice, at the middle, and at the end of it. At the beginning, it's just a seed. And uh, it's a seed which is a potential that we have. the a seed that we plant to, to cultivate and develop compassion, care, empathy, Support for the world around us. So it's just a seed, it's a potential that we have. And So we all have this potential. We all have the seed, but the seed has to be watered. And so, uh, in the middle of the practice, it, uh, it gets watered. And the and the rain, the water, for this seed is compassion itself. Uh, in my early years of practice, um, I didn't have any compassion, or didn't know of an any, but. Uh, <coughs> I felt that I was uh, the beneficiary of compassion all around, and I would start seeing and feeling and smelling compassion everywhere. I used to look at certain people and say, "That's that's the bodhisattva of compassion," or even just sometimes, literally, when the breeze would blow against my cheek, I'd feel like it was compassion. I think I had such a big need for it, and I didn't have a capacity for myself. But I started. Op- I used to. I used to I was. My practice had a lot to do with opening to suffering. And then from that opened up this door of compassion. The compassion that I received and or felt or kind of experienced was then like the water that's nurtured and supported the practice. And then at some point, um, the seed grows into a fruit. And the, at the end of the path, the end of practice, um, if there is a, such a thing, mm-hmm. then it, it uh, um, the compassion is the fruit that, that um, or the compassion is the fruit that is so delicious. Or some people say that at the end, compassion is like the sun and it becomes a radiance that radiates from us. So a seed, compassion is a seed, a potential. Compassion is a food or support or nourishment and compassion is a radiance or a fruit or a, that um, from all this practice we do. And so it changes and evolves over time the role that compassion has the place of compassion in the life of a practitioner. So I hope that this uh, worked as an introduction to this topic of compassion. Gave you something to reflect further on and think about and feel and explore. And I hope that um, in this month, before the next time we do compassion, that uh, you will spend a fair amount of time exploring the basic human capacity for warmth. before there's kindness or friendliness, before there's compassion. The openness, the warmth, the, the part of you that might, that the way which your heart can resonate with other people. And, uh, and also that you're willing to begin relaxing. And this is a really important word, to relax into your suffering. Because that's, that's very uncommon. You know, that, I, mean, I mean, some people will get angry when they hear the very idea, relax into my suffering. I mean, that's pretty p- pessimistic. That's pretty, you know, doesn't that go in the wrong direction? But there's something about relaxing into it that allows the doors to open in our hearts. Something that lacks into it where some of the the nourishment of compassion can start coming forth into our life. So that's the the day Next time, uh, we'll do a little more of the classic meditations on um, compassion, uh, uh, meditation on compassion. I'll teach you a little bit how it's done, the uh, classic way in Theravada Buddhism, and then also do it a little bit, uh, some other, what I call more informal ways. And um, so that's what I have.
2: So Thank you for coming.